0: you're listening to the Abide podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message.
1: Listen, I really do feel like the Lord wants to do something significant today. So can we just lean in and go on a journey for just a few moments? Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can leave here today changed? I'm not sure, like I, I feel faith. Last night I was laying in bed, I felt faith for you in the room. In my bedroom, I felt faith for you. I felt faith like that every person, like, like uh, the power of one day. Do you believe there could be power in one day? Yeah. My wife was talking about it. There was one day where a little drug addict kid walked into a church and my heart was turned. It was just change. And I think sometimes we, Pastor Tyler was on it, man. We, we get into the routine of just going through the motions and the, the Lord is wanting to crash into that today. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's wanting to crash into that today. So let's just, let's just close our eyes for just a moment. I want, I want faith to just arise in your heart. And I, I just want you to, to listen. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. It's more than a song. It was a declaration that David made in a difficult season in his life. But in the midst of that difficulty, he made a declaration. It's better one day here than three years anywhere else. So Kevin, can you sing that for a second?
2: Better. Better is one day in your house. Better. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your house. thousands Let that hit your heart. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your house. Better.
1: I feel his gladness he agrees Amen. I, I feel the of the Lord I want to talk to you for just a moment about the heart, can I talk to you about the heart we've been talking about you know what bro, just, just stay up here I don't want any music for a moment I just want you to hear me, cause we can get caught up in a song Covey's really good at the piano but it's, in, but it's important for us to connect with like what God is saying in this moment And we've been talking, we've been talking about houses of glory and we've been talking a lot about what everything that God is wanting to do. And how many of you know God's doing a lot? God is doing a lot. Like he's moving, it it goes beyond what he's doing at Abide, he's doing a lot in our region. And as we've been asking him for more and as we've been asking him to step into what the more looks like as as a community, what he keeps speaking to me is Gio, we have to have the right heart posture. And we've been worshiping for an hour and you know why I love worship? Because worship is a great revealer of the heart. The tension that you were feeling in the room, it was an invitation for every single one of us to corporately step into intimacy with the Lord. You you can categorize what intimacy looks like for you, but there's an invitation for all of the hardness, all of the bitterness, all of the the complacency, the comparison, the criticism. I was thinking about this week. I was reading the scripture where it says, that God is enthroned upon our praises, meaning that as, as we praise, and for us, praise in this house means the declaration of who he is. We thank him for what he does, but we, when we start to proclaim who he is, we enter into praise. We've talked about this. It's not God, thank you for providing. It's God, thank you, your provider. It's a divine shift in, men- in mentality. But if God is enthroned upon my praises, then I wonder what's enthroned upon my criticism. You feel nobody wanted to amend that. <laughs> like if my words create things that literally things sit upon. And as I, as I come into agreement with who God is. He comes. Then what comes when I, when I begin to be bitter? What comes when I begin to criticize? When I begin to be negative? Even if, it's, even if you're rightfully negative. I, I want you to realize today that there is, there is a battle. It was the whole theme of worship today. There is a battle for your heart. And I believe today God is wanting to walk through every wall of every heart. There's some of us that are thinking like, I've been there, man. I heard, I heard the heart sermon. Stop. Like as I was praying today during pre-service prayer, I was asking God, no, no, no God, every wall in my heart. Like every wall in my Because offenses come. And, and if we were talking about the power of a day. I believe that there are times, listen, if we're not careful and we rightfully process a day. How many of you had a good day, a day that you like you remember, but how many of you had a bad day, like like a day of trouble, like like I was listening to Michael Miller talk about a day of trouble, and it really, it really hit my heart, realizing that if I'm not careful to rightfully process a day of trouble, a day can become a week, a day of trouble becomes a week of trouble, which becomes a month of trouble, and then we begin to say things like, well, I'm just in a season, I'm just in a season. And what begins to happen if we're not careful in navigating those days is we begin to close off our heart. And so we come into environments like this where we begin to sing about who God is and we feel disconnected. Like, I just don't I just don't get why we're still singing about that. Like, why don't we get on to we made a we made a decision in this house as a community that you're never going to hear more from me than from him. It's never going to be more about a person giving a message than making opportunity for God to speak to you. Right. You need to know that one word from God is more powerful than 50 minutes of Geo. Right. It turns hard. It turn- Every word from Geo is that maybe you would get one word from him. That maybe we would posture our hearts in such a way that we would break off religion and say, God, I believe that every Sunday, every Monday, every Wednesday, there's something fresh for me. But in order for us to receive what what God is saying to us, we have to learn about, about how to navigate. And I want you to know your heart was created for this environment. The tension that you're feeling in a room is because he's calling you. There's no shame, there's no condemnation, there's no way. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. His yoke, meaning what, what do we come under when we come under the presence of God, it's light. That's, right. That's why Tiffany was saying he, the, the enemy comes as an accuser. He accuses, he accuses you, he accuses people. And if you're not careful, that becomes an accusation towards God. And so all throughout scripture, we see this thread. It's like all throughout the whole thing, whether it's the people of Israel where God is saying, turn your your heart back to me, or you're reading in Proverbs where it says, guard your heart above all else. There's there's this theme in the Bible where he's saying, listen, I want you to be connected with what's going on in your heart. This is what God is doing on on a staff level in our church. This is what he's doing. On Tuesday night, we sat across the way. And for two hours, we just talked about how is your heart? Like, where we can create a safe environment where, where people can be real about where they're at. Come on, that's right. Come on. Because the opposite side of that is the stupid crap like this. Well, I have an unspoken prayer request. Oh. What kind of environments create that? Come on. An unsafe environment. That's right. that's See, I know some of y'all, everybody said, I've said that. But then, I, but then I've gotten to the place where I'm like, if I can't be real with family and I can't really share what's going on in my heart, then I'm just not in the right family. That's so as a staff we just shared this is what's going on in my heart and people were honest and vulnerable but that's what it takes to unlock your heart to allow heaven to come into that place and to realize he wants to heal you he wants to heal you come on, there is more for you I don't care if you got prayed for three years ago and you manifested and got free there's more freedom for you right. the tension in the room wasn't well I'm just tired of worship no that's the distraction yeah the distraction is it doesn't take all that. The distraction is, well, why don't they move on to the next thing? He is the thing. That's right. There is nothing else. I need you to understand. There, there is nothing else except beholding him and being transformed by the beholding. Come on. Yes. Now, every person in this room, you will behold him in a different way. You don't have to behold him the way Gio beholds him, but you have to see him. That's right. You have to allow his words to come into your heart. I, just, I want to read a few scriptures. In John 4, it says that he's looking for something, right? It says he's looking for worshipers that would worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. And that's what's trying to crash into your heart. When Jesus left, he said, it's good for you that I leave because the wise counselor, Holy Spirit, is coming. And he comes to lead us into truth. But what what does the spirit do? Come on. Think about this for a second. Because the spirit to us is this theoretical fog that just kind of hangs around. And it comes and maybe it woos us, but the Holy Spirit, it leads us. Come on. It leads us. Who the sun sets free is free, maybe. No. It's, it's free indeed, but that's through the Spirit. That's right. Like when, when we were worshiping today, I felt, the, I felt the Spirit wanting to crash in. And you felt the emotion in a room of people who are like, I can't go there because that's painful. Oh, come on. Yeah. I, can't, I can't go there because every one of us, we had days of trouble. My wife had shared a few days of trouble. When my wife was sitting on a bathroom floor crying after a miscarriage, that was a day of trouble. That, as a minister preaching, I had to stand up for months and preach hope when I felt hopeless. We don't talk about that from pulpits. But that was a day of trouble where I had to sit across from my pastor and say, I don't believe what I'm saying. And if we're not careful and we don't allow the Lord into those spaces, because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to disconnect your mind from your heart. Your mind will be saying all the right things, but your heart will be closed. That's right. Come on. Your heart will be closed. It'll close off to people. It'll close off to God. And you get into an environment and then you be, well, I just got to go somewhere else because I'm just not feeling it here anymore. It's not an environment issue. It's a heart issue. And the beautiful thing is God wants to deliver us corporately from that today, where we can step into his presence and know there's nothing hidden, nothing unseen. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's 2 Corinthians. If John A says this, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Spirit, truth. That's what's trying to crash into your heart today. It doesn't say if you hear the truth, Many of us, we've been coming to churches for years and we hear the truth. It says, when you know the truth, that's to intimately know. That's like, that's to experience. When you know the truth, then that truth will set you free. In order to know something, there has to be proximity. The other day we were driving down the road and, and my son, he looks into the into the rearview mirror and I'll blow a kiss to my wife and they're like, give me a kiss, mommy. And so Destiny gives Judah a kiss and then Sailor reaches out her hand and Destiny grabs her hand. And then Judah sees Destiny grabs Sailor's hand and he goes, mommy, hand. And Destiny says to Judah, baby, you had, you had a kiss that's better than my hand. You see, some of us, it's like we've lived our whole Christian lives just asking God, God, I just want... I just want your hand without realizing that there is an invitation. The, one, of the, one of the words worship, the word worship in the Bible many times, it means to be face-to-face, to kiss. Now, some of us are like, that's weird, bro. I, I know, because, because we have been conditioned to live a Christian life that is disconnected. Yeah, right. It's like we have this relationship with God where there is no public display of affection. It's like we're totally just, dis- well, well, no, 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 like we'll we're just, we're just come on Sunday, we'll give an hour and a half, and we're thankful for the hour and a half, but the hour and a half is to fuel your week, Amen. right? It's, it's, it's to come into an environment where we can, get ba- we can get back to center and say, man, as a family, we're contending for something, yes. and what we're contending for is more than just getting through. That's right. Are you alive? Yes. Yeah. Oh, man, I got I to get to what I want to talk to. Let's, let's open up our Bibles to John 14. Can you give me 10 minutes? I'm going to walk through this fast because I want to get to ministry time. I want you to see something. And what I want you to see is the effects of allowing something to creep into your heart. That's not supposed to be in your heart. I don't care who you are in the room. We're all navigating, have navigated or are going to navigate this. All of us in this room. And if we're not careful, what I'm saying is we're going to get we're going to become cold hearted and closed off. So, so watch this. In John 14, the disciples had been walking with Jesus. And Jesus, he, he, he throws on them, listen, I'm about to be betrayed. And not only am I about to be betrayed, someone in this room is going to betray me. And as he shares this with them, as he shares this with them, he says something in John 14 that I think is really important. He turns and he says, listen, do not let your heart, say heart. heart. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. And then he goes on this revelation, there's enough room to my father's home. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you that I'm going to prepare a place. But, but he's saying, I have to go. But he starts this dialogue with this, do not let your heart be troubled. That word troubled there is agitated. It's inward commotion. It can be like this. Do not let your heart fall into sorrow. Do not let your heart fall into grief. So from the very beginning of the dialogue, he's, he's addressing, if you're not careful, this is what will happen. And he begins to go on this journey with sharing with them, listen, I'm promising you the Holy Spirit. This is where we get the the famous scripture. I am the way. I am the truth. I am life. No one can get to the Father. But then there's a couple of questions that are important that rise up in the midst of Jesus addressing their their journey. And the first question is this. Jesus says to them, and you know the way into where I am going. And And then one of the disciples, Thomas, speaks up. He goes, we don't know. Like, I love the honesty. It's what we're talking about. The honesty of the moment. Jesus is like, you know where I'm going. And he's like, but I really don't. And we feel disconnected because we know. But I want to remind you, these guys had left everything to follow this man. Everything. Nets, jobs, houses, families, everything to follow him. And now this guy who, who had massive revival around him, everywhere he went, people were healed, is now saying, I have to go. And he's painting this picture about the next step of the journey. And he says, but you know what's going on. And and Thomas like, I really don't. I don't know. And he says this, we have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? And I think this is the first question that is exposed in our hearts whenever we're navigating difficulties. God, where are you? I don't know about you. I don't know if we even think this way, but the first thing that happens to us whenever we face difficulties, days of trouble, the question that the enemy will put in your heart is, where was God? So for the longest time as a child, um, as, 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 as a part of a broken family, I had this thing where I can never revisit the day that my father left because I had this lie embedded in my heart. God's not there. So I went to inner healing one day And they're like, hey, listen, God wants to take you back to that situation. And I'm like, devil is a liar. So I'm following. And they're like, look, I want you to imagine yourself as a seven-year-old. Where's God? And I I remember crying and saying, God's not there. Because the seed had been planted in my heart. Where was God? And you understand that from this place, from this question, if not navigated correctly, we'll begin to accuse God of things that just are not true. This is the disconnect we're feeling during worship because some of us, due to days of trouble, we have made conclusions about who God is. So when Covey's singing Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha healer, you can't sing it because you don't have that vision of him. You can't sing Jehovah Rapha, he's healer if you don't believe he's healer. It violates who you are. And at the very minimum, you can sing it, but unless it lands in your heart, there's no faith there. You you see what I'm saying? And so so Thomas goes, we don't know where you're going. Where are you going? And then they go on and Jesus addresses it, right? He says, I've been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am. It's like, Philip, you know me, but you don't know me. He's addressing the issue. So why are you asking this? And And then Philip says this, verse eight, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. This is the heart behind it. How, who is God? Like, what is God really like? I, w- I want to explain something to you, and I hope you can understand this. Worship is about revealing God to you. Worship is not about a song. It's not even really about, we've we, we made worship like, well, we got to get through three songs to break all that hard stuff off your heart. It's not really about that. Worship is about you seeing Jesus Rightly. That's why every song, listen, if it's not about Jesus, it's not a worship song. It's not a worship song. If the song is about us and we're singing songs about us, then who are we worshiping? The point of worship is to reveal Him, but a heart that is offended cannot sing songs about Him. Many people, they're standing during worship, but in their heart, they're sitting outwardly standing but inwardly sitting and we can talk about houses of glory all day long and what God's doing in the region but a heart that is offended a heart that is closed off cannot hold what he's wanting to pour out and so we a lot of times I believe that as a corporate community individually we're asking God for things we cannot receive Because some of the things Jesus said this, I can't share more with you because you cannot bear the weight of it. That's what he said. In this same dialogue in the upper room discourse, he said, I have more I want to say to you, but you can't bear it. Meaning the words that I want to say to you, you don't have a capacity to receive them yet. And what stops us from receiving God's word is offense. Are you hearing me? It's believing a false narrative about yourself. And it's believing a false narrative about God. It's believing that God can't heal your marriage. It's not being able to come into agreement with what God said you are. So I say this all the time. People who believe, well, I'm just going to be a sinner the rest of my life. You will be. Because the Bible is clear. Be it unto you according to your faith. So if you believe you're a sinner, you will sin by faith. I know that's hard, but, but that's what God's wanting to deliver us from, where we actually believe the Bible, where he says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And that's not Sunday morning between 1030 and 12. Come on. That's a lifestyle of living yielded to him. So like Shanna was sharing with me on Tuesday, I think it was, and God was saying, I want you to reposition your heart. And That's a great term for us as a body to reposition your heart. But in order to reposition something, you have to know where it's positioned. Many of us, we ask God, well, God, do. Listen, in order for me to right now face north, I have to know which way I'm facing. And so when God gives us a word like that, or like these disciples, they're walking through and Jesus says, do not be troubled. He's inviting them to the reality. Like, listen, there's an opportunity for you to be troubled. Your heart's about to be agitated. And I want to say this to you. A heart that is troubled, a troubled heart is poisoned. It's poison. Because for one, it stops you from loving God the way you want to love him. Yeah. You just don't know it, but you want to love him. That's right. I'm convinced everyone wants a king like Jesus. Yeah. Everything, there's not a person that would really encounter him and say, I don't want that. Yeah. They may say that to church. They may say it to religion. They may say it to people. But the person of Jesus, everyone would say yes to that. Yeah. But an offended heart, a heart that is sick, come on, hope deferred makes the heart sick. A sick heart cannot see him rightly. A sick heart looks in the mirror and says, you're garbage. A sick heart creates offense between a brother, which stops us from stepping into John 17. Which ruins everything because Jesus says, they will know me by the way they love one another. He doesn't have to destroy the world. He just has to create offense between us. That's all he has to do. Just sow a seed of offense. So the disciples are walking through this journey, right? And he promises them the Holy Spirit. Is this okay? In 1427, he doubles down. And he says to them, I am leaving you with a gift. And the gift is this, peace of mind and peace of what? Peace of mind and peace of heart of heart. And the peace I give you, the world cannot give. Like what he's trying to impart to you. I hope you hear this. The world cannot give it to you. There's not any situation in your life that will be fixed that will give you the peace that he's promising here. Church cannot give you the peace he's promising here. It has to be a face to, it has to be an encounter with him. So again, he's saying, listen, don't let your heart be troubled and I'm giving you a gift that will guard your mind and your heart. And then he gives them the famous verse, right? I am the vine. This is John, we are Abide Church, right? We're Abide. He gives them the famous, abide in me, abide in you, let my words abide in you and remain in love. And when you remain in these three things, joy will come. So he's dropping massive truth on them. But yet they're disconnected. How do we know? Because he gets to John 17 And he begins to speak to them, but watch this. (laughs) In in John 16, he says again, but now I am going away to those who sent me. And not one of you are asking, where am I going? Instead, you have allowed sorrow to enter your heart because of what I've told you. So follow the progression. He's meeting with them in the upper room. He says, I'm going to be betrayed. But then he says, listen, are you a disciple or are you a churchgoer? Is to all his disciples, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And then he invites them on this journey that's going to involve pain. He says, they're going to hate me. And because they hate me, they're going to hate you. Right. This is the last sermon he's giving them. Yeah. Don't let your hearts be troubled. The Holy Spirit is coming. Abide in me. And by the way, they're going to hate you. And then he says, now, you're, now grief is entering into your heart. Sorrow has entered into your heart. He's addressing the issue. He speaks John 17 to them, and then he invites them into the garden, right? I hope you can see this. He invites them into the garden. In Luke 22, I don't want you to turn there, but I want you to see. He invites them into the garden, and he says this. Do not fall into temptation. If I was a disciple, I'm like, Jesus, it's me, you in a garden. What's the What's the temptation? What's, what's the temptation? We got to think. We just read. It. What's, what is he talking about? What is in that garden that Jesus is saying, don't fall into that? Just think for a moment. Because it's not like they have an iPad. They can look at the wrong sites. It's not like they have drinks and they get over. It's not. It's not any. Because we think of temptation as external transgression. temptation oh I must mean something externally I do but Jesus is talking to them about something internal you feel that in the room oh no not me not me so Jesus goes and he prays and he comes back you know the story right if you know the story he comes back to to speak to them and they were all asleep I gotta turn there for a second because I need you to hear the words Gosh. So, some of you are going to be healed today. There have been false agreements in the room that have been made about who you are and who God is. And if you allow God into that space, He'll heal it. I need to connect with you on this. I need you to, I need you to believe that. Like, I've been coming here for a long time. That's great. I love you so much. But there's more for you. I'm not asking you to stop doing anything. I'm asking you to let him into that space. Yeah. I felt like you believed me. <laughs> Luke 22. Hey, Cubby, you can start playing now. He says to them in 39, the disciples, they left the upper room and they went to the Mount of Olives and he told them, pray that you will not give to temptation. And he walked away about a stone throw, so he didn't go far. But he invited them. This is the invitation. Hey, are we a house of prayer or not? This is why I believe most houses of prayer struggle. It's not because of the darkness going on in the world. It's not because nobody wants to pray. It's sorrow. Jesus prays the famous prayer, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering from me. Yet I want your will, not mine, to be done. Listen, then an angel appeared. And strengthen them. There was a, there was something amazing. Then he prayed more fervently, but he was in agony of spirit, and he stood up again, verse forty-five. And he says to his disciples, and it says only to find them asleep, exhausted from what? Your your mind says grief, mine says sorrow. I believe this is the condition. That God is trying to address. What 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 is sorrow? What is sorrow? It's it's a deep feeling caused by distress, disappointment, misfortune. It's that something happened to you. Ooh, I feel that something happened to you that you're like, how could that happen? And it raises these two questions. Where was God? And if he's good, then why did this happen? Hmm. I don't care who you are, you've gone through this. And so we get up on a stage and we say, Jesus wants to meet with you corporately and you find yourself asleep. It's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you're a sinner. It's because sorrow, discouragement, distress, discomfort has made its way into your heart. So Jesus gets taken away. And then in John 20, (laughs) uh, I hope Jesus helped them to hear this. In John 20, it says the disciples are locked in a room due to fear. It says the door is closed and they're all in one room due to fear, due to pain. And this is a prophetic picture of the church. What offense and discouragement and bitterness and sorrow of heart does is it causes you to close the door of your heart And fear keeps you locked up from allowing the door to be opened but what does Jesus do it says they were locked up in a room (laughs) they were locked up in a room due to fear and it says all of a sudden Jesus is right in the middle and I feel this I feel Jesus walking into every heart every closed door every bit of pain every bit of sorrow he's walking in and as he walked in what did he do he revealed himself they saw him as crucified jesus and it said joy joy came up on the inside of them what had to happen for joy to come in sorrow had to leave I feel it's hard because I know some of you, it's like, I don't know, I can't let myself get there. But I'm telling you, you just gotta open up a little bit. Look at me, you just gotta open up a little bit. Every time I speak about the heart, it's like people get glazed. It's a spiritual thing. Because if you can connect your head to your heart, nothing can stop you. You begin to look at the Bible differently, you stop looking at people through eyes of offense. You begin to live a life yielded to God because you realize my heart is His, and He's a good shepherd, and He can be trusted, and He is faithful, and He is true. We believed a lot of things about God. Ishani, hey, you want to come up here? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna just—I need—I need her to share for just a moment. Just warning you, she's probably gonna cry, but it's good for us. Say hey, it's a good thing. Let's say it like we mean it. It's a good thing. Do you mind if I just share, share? So a few weeks ago, we were in the prayer room. It was on a Tuesday morning. She was sitting right back where Carol is. Hey Carol, I love you. She was sitting right there, and I looked at her. And she was just still. And, and and the Lord said to me, She's sad. And so I was like, Well, why, why is she sad? And the Lord said, She feels stuck. And so I just asked her, I said, do you feel stuck? She's like, I do, I do, I do. You know, she started crying. Uh, uh. So then I just asked, this is why we're stuck, because we don't ask the right questions. So I said, well, what does it look like to be unstuck? I I don't know. Some of us are praying for blessings. We couldn't even, we don't even know what we're praying for. You could be in the midst of an answered prayer, but you wouldn't know it because your heart's disconnected. So she was on this journey, and the Lord's been doing something beautiful as far as, which I believe he wants to do for every person in this room. He wants to connect your heart to his heart. This isn't about your brokenness today. This is about what's available on the other side. This is about freedom. That's right. Oh,
0: gosh. Um, The Holy Spirit has been wrecking me, so I'm sorry. Um... I told him that I didn't care what it looked like and this is what it looks like so I'm sorry Um, so he asked me really hard questions and I don't like really hard questions (laughs) and he asked me those questions and uh, and then um, I said I'm going to have to wait I'm going to have to pray I'm going to have to journal because I can't give you these answers I'm going to have to ask the Holy Spirit so he asked me two questions I should have brought my journal (laughs) He asked me two questions. Um, uh, What was the question? It was, why do you feel stuck? And what does unstuck look like? And uh, throughout the week, I would just be in prayer, and I would just be asking the Holy Spirit to reveal what that looks like. Um, The first thing was, uh, I didn't feel like I could hear him. And I know that sounds so stupid, but for so long, I just felt like there was just this wall, and that was the second thing. I would feel like the Holy Spirit would come on me, and I'd be so eager and so hungry. And then I just feel like there's this wall that would just crash down, and I feel like I couldn't get to what like fullness He had for me. And then there was like five different things. Those are like the main important ones. Uh, and uh, and then He said, uh, "What does unstuck look like?" And he said, "Like reposition your heart." Again, I. I didn't know what these things meant when I'm writing them down. I'm just writing them down. Um, the other things, I don't want to mess it all up. But like, God has been wrecking me because He had Geo praying during the week while I was praying and journaling uh, and asking, "All right, what? Like, God, speak to me what she needs to hear." So the first thing that He said was that I'm gonna is that she hears me. So it was, like, affirmation um, that I do hear him. Um, and then the second thing was uh, that I'm not her dad. And some of you know my testimony and some of you don't. But I, I'm not a daddy's girl, and that's okay. I got my mom. <laughs> um... Uh. he said I'm not your dad and it comes from expectations that I set on the father that I I couldn't give him because it was too hard I had this expectation like I really wanted this relationship because of my relationship with my dad that I didn't have I feel like I couldn't have that with the father Um. so then and I know a lot of people deal with this because this is like the whole deep root of like father issues, but I feel like he's gonna heal that. Um, and I'm allowing him to heal that. And so I just have these expectations like maybe God will meet me, maybe he won't. you know? Um, and I just feel like that's gonna be delivered. And it might not happen today at the altar, but it's gonna happen in your heart and it's gonna happen like throughout the week like, um. and then the third thing was that uh, she thinks she's farther than she really is so for 10 years I've been saved and I've like been feeling stuck and like a zombie and I was even repenting on uh, Monday like just sobbing in the car because the Holy Spirit was meeting me while I was driving I don't recommend that um, <laughs> and I just began repenting for walking so long, like so dead, so dead. I feel like I've only given him like 5% of my heart, even though I felt like I surrendered it every week. It was just believing these lies. So he's just healing those lies, and he's affirming that I'm his beloved, and that no matter what, um, he's got something for me and he told me that nothing is wasted and I know as Christians we hear that so much oh nothing is wasted and we sing about it but it's so true that everything that I went through it's gonna heal somebody and I just can't let the lie stop me from releasing it so I just have to release it and whatever it looks like so I think I'm all over the place but I'm just Yeah. So this happened too. It was actually the same time that he told me that nothing was wasted. Um, I just began praying in the spirit. um, And this was the really powerful thing. And this is, I think, what's going to break all of this. Um, But I I, I didn't even ask him. That's the crazy thing. I didn't even ask him. I'm just driving. I'm taking the kids to school. And I'm driving. And uh, the Holy Spirit just gave me like this feeling and i've i don't even i can't even verbalize it um but the holy spirit was going so deep and he allowed me to to feel what my dad was feeling uh. <laughs> <sighs> So I just asked him to let me feel it because for so long, I said, I don't wanna go there. I don't wanna feel it. And he allowed me to feel that in those moments as a kid, like when he was beating my mom and I was just broken. He allowed me to feel his heart, that he was angry and he was hurt and he was broke and that the alcohol was making all of that just come up and all the demons rise up. And he allowed me to feel his sorrow and his pain, which I never viewed like that before. I've always just been so angry, even though I've forgiven him. When the Holy Spirit tries to bring me back to those moments, I just get angry. Because he used to say, well, stop crying. What's there to cry about? Stop crying. Go in your room. And again, like, that's just that close it up. Don't let it show Um. So he just began to allow me to feel that. And uh, 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 and he didn't have Jesus. He didn't have Jesus like we have Jesus. I mean, he could have. He totally could have. But at that time, he didn't. And he was just. Ministering to my heart and allowing me to feel things I've never felt before and I just asked Holy Spirit and then he was like no it doesn't negate the fact that he should have done those things but he just didn't know how to deal with all of that brokenness and, and all those generational curses he didn't have me so I feel like that's going to be the key to not only praying for that deep healing that I've like never received before um but to pray for you know his salvation and, and many more
1: to come. I wanted her to share because I shared John 20 and sometimes that's so abstract. What does that look like for Jesus to walk into the room of my heart? But, but it does look like something. I, 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 I was thinking this when she was sharing. So many times people, you could feel in in service like this, like, man, that's weird. Why the crying and the sobbing? I think it's more weird that we expect to be in a room with Jesus and nothing happened. You thought about that? Like that we, we, we say Jesus is in a room and we're just like, I feel nothing. It's just not, something's not right there. And if you don't feel anything, that's not an indictment on you that's an invitation that like God I've been praying this I've been praying I'm telling you as someone who was emotionally I felt emotionally handicapped for a long time and I began to pray God I just want my heart to be soft because I read scriptures like he will take out the heart of stone and replace it with a tender and responsive heart I would read that and think I'm the stony heart and I want to be able to feel but it looks like allowing God into those places but what what a powerful you know what happened God allowed Shannon to understand the why behind the what it would be easy to make accusations on God but when you understand that that was just a broken person and you feel what they felt it allows you to release them and to love them and to pray for them so I want us all to stand for just a moment I, believe, I, I really, really believe that God wants to heal hearts He wants to heal marriages He wants to break addiction off of people today Some of the addictions in the room It's not because you're just an addict It's rooted in something And if you allow the Lord today To take it, He will but it's going to take a response, yeah? Like, I feel that. We don't always draw the line in the Santa abide Very much family style. But I, but I do believe that there's power in response. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, have, I'm going to have Covey just sing for a moment. And I'm just going to give our, our, a moment for our hearts to connect with our heads. That was a lot of information and a lot of feelings. But I believe as, as Covey sings for just a moment, you're going to feel like a pull. Some of you have been feeling it. It's like you've been trying to hold back tears. You feel like, man, that's, that's me. My heart's been closed. I want to say to you, there's no shame. Trouble does that. But Jesus is trying to John 20 you. He's trying to walk up in that room and reveal himself to you so that joy may come. Just for a moment. Go ahead, Kavi. You know I really just want to make room right now for people in, in the room that you feel that just to come forward and listen Amy two weeks ago lost her husband if she can bring that to the Lord without an invitation it's just like man what's <laughs> it's almost like what's your excuse two weeks ago out of nowhere husband passed away and we're gonna pray for her but there's an invitation for everybody to release that sorrow today. So if you feel that, I just want you to make your way to the altar and just just sit before the Lord. You can stand, whatever. But right now, I just want you to come. I just want you to make your way out of your seat. They're coming all over, but I just feel that. Just release that to the Lord. And Bethel team, we'll just release you to, to pray, give words. There's gonna be more ministry time, but I just feel that right now is the moment for that. We yield, God. We yield.